The Latrolius virus is a highly contagious illness that's transmitted in much the same way as the common flu virus, but it has far more damaging consequences. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we (laughs) squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the wonderful and curious-minded listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic Litra chip man, I nailed it this week, man. That was smooth. I mean, there's so man. much enunciation, <laughs> right? There's so much enunciation in that. <laughs> What's up, Dan? Uh, things are good. Really enjoyed this paper. You know, when we first picked this, I had no idea how apropos to tomorrow, today's age, <laughs> and tomorrow's <laughs> illness that we're talking about. Spooky, right? Yeah, man. I mean. Big picture, what I love about this, like many of our studies that we pick, is it showing how the reality that we perceive and that our brain reacts to depends so much on framing and cueing and the state that our, our sort of minds are already in. That's like big picture. That's what's so curious about this study for me. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to do some, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to rip the title. Do, do some shout outs, see if I can botch up any names. So the I paper which I mean, you, you, got, you got five to deal with. <laughs> the smart money is on me, man. <laughs> so the paper we're covering this week is the systematic influence of gain and loss framed messages on interest in and use of different types of health behavior. It gets more exciting than this, people. Like, you know, hang in there. We're going to get some spooky stuff coming up for you. So this is by Alexander Rothman, Stephen Martino, Brian Bedell, Jerusha, Jerusha Detwiler, and Peter Salovey. Uh, thank you very much for this piece of work, gang. Yes, you've so done so really you- well. Yeah, man, it's like a little hurdle there, but you know, I feel like I, I recovered and was able to cross the line. So, so we're looking at like health messaging here. We're looking There's at no health messaging, and this felt like it it folded into the realm of nudge for me. Uh, it also felt like it had uh, the potential to be in the line of marketing, also, and. There was also an element of, how do I put this? It was making me rethink some of the nudge arguments in the sense of how much handholding are we going to do yeah. <laughs> for yeah. individuals? What's the appropriateness? Yes. I, I yeah. agree with that. that. When I finish the whole article, maybe we'll end up here later, it felt to me like the question really was, do some people get to say what the right answer is. And then do we kind of get to trick all the people that are just humans? You know, just, they're just trying to get through life and kind of live. And then if we want to decide they should wear a condom, let's give them this kind of message. But if we decide that they are testing for AIDS, then we give them that kind of message, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which makes so on one hand, it makes a lot of sense depending on what the product is, like what the product is and what the product does. And I feel like experiment two covers this really well. And that's why I said it kind of felt like it lent itself very well for marketing purposes. 
Um, however, you know what? Let's let's dive into to study one. Let's let's dive into experiment slash study one, and it gets spooky off the rip. So when you sent this to me, Dan, I was probably like a couple pages in, and I was like, "Is this some sort of joke yeah. where you've yeah. managed to find some sort yeah. of parody study <laughs> of what the hell is going on in 2020?" So what they did for study one, what they're looking at is. When, when, you want to, when you want individuals to take a certain action regarding their health, does it make more sense for the messaging to be loss-framed in the sense of, here's the bad things that happen if you don't do as you're told? Yeah. Here's how you die, slowly right? and, and sadly. And alone. <laughs> There's no Twisting one else. In the wind. No one else wants to catch latrolesis. <laughs> oh, dare me! Or, or is it more effective to have it game framed to suggest that? Well, here's the benefits and how it helps you if you follow such and such action. So, in order to test this out, what they wanted to do was this is where it gets spooky, listeners. What they and this is them. This is what they wanted to do. And, like, and <laughs> let's just make it clear to the listeners: this was 21 years ago. This was mm. November 1999 that this article was published. Mm. That's that's also very very like because this 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 was this was odd. This was odd. So what they wanted to do, what they decided to do, should I say, is they they invented they invented a virus. They invented a virus. The Latrolysis virus is not real. This group invented it. And what they did is they gave the participants information on what this virus is and how it could possibly uh, affect them and their lives. So they Can gave I read the, the rest of it? Please do. Yeah, yeah. Go in. Yeah, yeah. Jump in. So this is a highly contagious illness transmitted in much the same way as the common flu virus, but way more damaging consequences. The initial symptoms include mild to severe congestion in the nose, throat, and lungs with difficulty breathing. Now, over time, the condition gets worse, resulting in chronic lung problems and in some cases, death. Yes. So they were able to get a hundred and (laughs) if this is not on the money, (laughs) because you know what? I was minding my business when 2020 rolled up. I was like, you know what? This is 2019 done. Let me see. Let's see where we're going here. This might be a good year. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I was presented with a virus I previously had no knowledge. And it sounded suspiciously like this, <laughs> this mofo. And then I was told, this is what you need to do about this thing that you previously had no idea existed. It sounded a little bit like a study that we were a part of. That, that's what was spooky about this. I was seeing yeah. the parallels yeah. and it kind of felt like, oh my God, it, it was easy to feel like we are in some sort of lab experiment now. And I don't want to push that too far, but it's just this idea of the situation we currently find ourselves in. It's, it's new to, it's like what, a year old? Everyone's trying to figure this out on the bounce. But in order to figure some things out, you kind of need to experiment a bit. And so at times it does feel like that's what we're on the receiving end of, where, where mm-hmm. we are participants and they're, they're looking at how do we get mass groups of individuals to, in quote marks, behave themselves. 
And is it better if we go along the lines of prevention? Is it better if we go along the lines of like detection? Should we be framing it in terms of what they could gain or could we frame it in terms of what's up to be lost? And everyone's been, you know, we've all been thrust into this pot and it's very much in line. And so this is why I found like what they were looking for and what they, what they found quite interesting. I want to I kind of like hand over because this stuff got me like, I'm all, I'm all excited over here then. Well, I like too <laughs> how the actual frame of this study one was around whether or not you would get inoculated. You know, yeah. and it was sort of like, right now we're going to go into a world where we have an inoculation, but lots of people are saying they don't want it. Yep. So apparently, and you know, what do I know? I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> As my kids tell me, I'm not a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how they say good morning? <laughs> apparently, this thing only works if like 60 to 80% of the people get it. So let's say 70% are needed on average to make the thing go away. Yep. I guess we've only got like 60% of the people saying they'll get it. So like that leaves a problem where we got to nudge enough people to swing the other way in order to knock this thing down. Yeah, and that so begs it's quite the relevant. Highly relevant because how how best do we do that? And in doing that, at what point are we giving individuals information so that they can make adult choices? And at what point are we manipulating individuals so that they can do what we want them to do? And so this is why I kind of felt like this study, it drifted in terms of like marketing as well, because this kind of felt like the, the tools that are used to sell people stuff. So like some days, you know, you, you, you get on the tube or you switch on the TV or you're sat in the cinema and you get blasted with products that prior to that point you yes, did not know yes. existed and then yes. furthermore you did not know you needed but then you get off the train and you're like i think i need a watch that monitors it. my heart rate now. at all times and how many steps i've done per day otherwise i'll die alone <laughs> see that seems to be every advert is buy our product or die alone, That's or die alone. <laughs> with and bald i think often bald <laughs> Anyway, let's get into this thing. So what happens is they take these people, it's like 176 undergrads, they're in this study or whatever, and they're all randomly assigned to one of four conditions. And it's either they're put in one where it's detection behavior. This is where like the doctor recommends that everybody makes an appointment. And when you arrive at the appointment, you get a little injection of this stuff. And then three days later, you figure out like you go back, you get a follow up and you figure out if your skin had a positive reaction. And what that means, what's important is that means that it's in you already. The whole thing about detection, which is very important, it's the same as like getting tested for AIDS. It is in you already or cancer. You have the problem. All we're doing is detecting it. And then the other half is prevention behavior. So in this one, it's like doctors are saying, everybody needs an inoculation. You got to just make an appointment, you get this injection, and then you kind of do a follow-up and get your second dose. So that's the first kind of like, dichotomization where it's either detection or prevention and then it has everything to do with the messaging so like in each of those half the people would get a gain frame which i can already mention and that's all focusing on like the benefits associated with like if you follow the behavior that makes treatment behave that makes the treatment possible and so if you detect this virus early, you can get this treatment and you can eliminate it without delay. So it's like rah, rah, plus, plus, plus. 
And half the people are getting the loss frame message, which is like, if you don't do this, this is when you die alone and bald. <laughs> Failing to detect this is going to undermine the treatment. If you detect it too late, you just don't really get a chance for effective treatment. Yeah. So that's the whole aha in this study. It's essentially saying that which message works best depends on which condition you think you're trying to attack. Mm, and that, that's so important as well, because that's that means from the outset, it's having an awareness of, OK, what is it that we're we're offering? Yep. And depending on what the offering is, we need to be quite conscious of the framing that we're applying to that. That's it. Because get it wrong and you reduce the take up for the service that you're, that you are offering. And so from what I can observe here, it's like one of the big significant things that they found was that participants who read about the prevention behavior, uh, Oh no, I'm, I'm kind of like jumping a bit as well, actually, because they were, they were looking for a large number of things in terms of what was influencing yeah. the decision making process. So how do you perceive the risk? What is your, uh, what the other thing I found quite interesting as well is that, and you might be able to help me out with this, Dan, because they, they mentioned it quite earlier on, but it seemed that for both of these methods, they seemed less effective for yeah. individuals yeah. who just seem to not be that yes. interested in the risk. Can, in a way, <laughs> you have just put your finger on what I find to be the most interesting part of the entire study. And I ah, really So it wasn't this. just me. Oh my no. God, because that's, yeah, let's, let's have a little bit of chat, well, uh, chat about that. What made me sad a little bit and I, I, about science, it made me a tiny bit sad about science is, in the write-up of this, in order to get it published, they kind of hid this. You could kind of tell that they kind of like ah. snipped it in there. They, oh, here's a little control variable. But if we just say it out loud, here's what it is. Most of the people don't give a shit. And they don't mind if you give them loss or gain. They're just not listening. Like, it, so the only way that their science worked as predicted is for the people that are really listening. And that actually was not that large of a proportion of the total sample. <laughs> so, you know, like on a one to seven point scale, they asked all these questions about individuals who enjoy thinking about persuasive messages. And only the people on the top part of that thing fell for any of this stuff. And, yeah. and you know, Akin, I'd actually love to hear more about your real reactions to this because it does really decrease the meaning of the study because that means like in real life, most people are just like bouncing off the walls and like going through their life and they're not really listening. Yeah. So my, my reactions and thoughts to this was, and in the intro, I mentioned this idea of at what point are we trying to grab people by the hand and yes. run yes. them towards our intention and that's fascinating because this idea of scaring people into doing something or possibly the, the opposite side of that, of trying to maybe praise them or cajole them into doing something, I think both of those methods, what they do is they, they to an extent, they treat adults like children. I think one, they treat adults like children in the sense of we can't just give you the information and then expect you to make a decision because there's a possibility that you won't do what we want you to do. So, it's, so there's a bit of an issue there, which I find. 
And I think what it also shows that even with this, where people have turned up to do a lab experiment, yes, and yes. they're just being a bit, and they're like, getting paid. I mean, I think they're getting like a fiver, right? There's quite a lot of individuals who are just yeah. like, I'm not really that interested in yeah. one having my my mind changed, or two, listening to individuals who are aggressively trying to change my mind. And when it comes to health, what I additionally find interesting is when we look at behaviors, and this is, I don't say this as a judgment, but we look at smoking, we look at um, uh, fast food, we look at like a lack of exercise take up. And I don't say this as a judgment, but there's lots of individuals who have just decided, no, thanks, that's not for me. Yeah. And a, a part of me feels a bit like, okay, cool, man. That's that's your decision because it's your life. I like it's not really up to me to tell you how to live your life. And further to that, even individuals who have abstained from fast food, smoking, or um, you know they're in the gym every day, they've decided a different metric for what their value of life is. And so for them, it's a bit like I don't really want to run around scared of latro latrolysis. Like I was, I was happily minding my business and now you're telling me that I potentially have this thing and they're just a bit like, I'll take my chances because yeah. maybe I'll just enjoy the time that I have left. And even if I do end up dying alone, I would have done so enjoying that time. So that's where it kind of fell into this marketing space for me where I was yeah. a bit like, is this, are these studies great more so for how we market some of these products rather than like at what point is this about the individual and their choice? And at what point is it about influencing yeah. and nudging them to what our choice is? Is that, right. is that kind of like, that's, that's kind of like a, 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 some, some points that I felt regarding the individuals who are just like, I ain't really that bothered, man. Yeah. And, and I think that well, the point that you're, that's really resonating there with me is that people get to make their own decisions about the way they want to live their own lives um, when it comes to this virus, it gets a little cloudier. And I've been caught up in this a couple of times where the way you want to live your life could then be affecting other people's, you know, deaths. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there is, there is that piece of it, which, which we have to put out there. And what they found, and we should probably jump to the other study. Yeah, yes, because please. in some ways, the second study was better for me. But in this first, and what they were able to show is that in the detection condition, when the whole point was, listen, you already got it or you don't. All we're doing is detecting it. The loss frame was way more, it's statistically significantly, substantially more likely to influence their intention to actually perform the behavior. Like a 4.7 compared to the gain frame, which is a 3.7. And that was flipped in the prevention condition. But to be honest, the prevention condition wasn't really that different. Both of them were in that 4.746 range. So the only thing that this study one really showed us is that if you use a gain frame in a detection mode, people are like, on average, eh, it just, it just makes them kind of tune out. But which people? They didn't say this really clearly. Only the people that are really listening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's, let's jump to that second study now, because in many ways, it was the keeper for me, because the first one was really cool, because you took a non-existent study, a non-existent illness, and you did a study on how people responded. There's a lot of internal validity there, because they aren't already afraid of it or not already afraid of it. You yeah. start with a blank slate. 
The next one was really fun because they looked at gum disease. And that's kind of cool because they found these different types of like rinses, some of which detected the gum disease kind of as it was happening. They showed where all the plaque was showing up and it was almost like an alert. Like, if you don't be careful, this is going to happen. And in the other ones, what it kind of did was just like prevented it from happening in the first place. It just kept your mouth cleaner in the first place. Yeah. So that second one that you mentioned, I, I just think of that second one as just regular mouthwash that, you know, that is just readily available yep. everywhere. It seems to be what yep. all the adverts are about. Use this stuff, have a bit of like a squish around and it's going to help prevent gum disease, plaque buildup and blah, 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 blah. The second one kind of felt like opening your mouth and putting like a black light in it. And yes. so it was highlighting here yep. are the areas where you should kind of be brushing a bit better. And this, this ties in with some of the information which they were covering in a sense of why when it comes to this detection, uh, these detection offerings, people are a bit less hesitant to act. And it feels like it's very much in line with this ignorance is bliss way of living life. And for some people, actually, that's quite enjoyable in the sense of some people wouldn't want to use these detection things. And it's similar with, I believe they mentioned like um, uh, self-examinations for breast cancer. Yep. So the reason yep. why they were suggesting that individuals wouldn't want to self-examine for breast cancer is because by taking that action, if you do find anything, it's bad. So lots yep. of individuals would just rather not self-examine because it's like, well, then I can remain in a state of happy ignorance. But it, the more that I'm checking, the more I'm likely to find something. So they, I guess what they wanted to do was, it's, it was one of those things where you could use different language to encourage more people to That's check it. for breast. Yeah. And that would yeah. be check that they're healthy. Not yeah. check that you have it and you're dying, yeah. but like check to see if you're healthy. And, it's, and I think this is, this is a certain area where it's, it's, it's kind of what this study is hanging on. It's like, can we just make these little reframing things yes. so that when it comes to things like detection, where yeah. people might not want to use this mouthwash yeah. and just have all of their sins exposed, so to say, it's a bit like, well, no, maybe if you use this mouthwash, you can see how well you're doing. Not yep. use this mouthwash and look how much of a bad boy you've been. Well, let's, let's, let's look at this like really specifically so that listeners can kind of just get a little of the science under, under their belt. Like mm. in this case, it's 120 people for whatever reason, 89 women, only 31 men, who knows why, but they were all getting five bucks. It's at the university of Minnesota and the standard mouth rinse approach was they read this gain frame information. So this one would be more preventative and it would be like this people who use mouth rinse daily are taking advantage of a safe, effective way to reduce plaque accumulation. Whereas the loss framed information for that same thing, the exact same mouth rinse was people who do not use a mouth rinse daily are failing to take advantage of a safe, effective way of reducing. So it's the same identical information. It's just, are you treating it as a positive or negative? Yeah. And, and then they did the same thing in this, they call it the disclosing rinse. But as Atkins said, this is the x-ray rinse. This is the <laughs> that shines a black light on what a, what a bad flosser you are. <laughs> <laughs> so half of them got this gain framed one, which is like using this rinse before brushing enhances your ability to detect areas of plaque. And half read the last one, which is failing to use this limits your ability to detect areas of plaque 
accumulation. So it's the same thing. It's just the, the flip. And Akin, I want to say what I absolutely loved about this study was the dependent variable. They, in the end, actually had them ask for a sample of this. They said, okay, now, because you did this study, not only do you get a fiver, but you get a sample of this. Just fill out this postcard and tell us which one you want. And to me, I know it sounds kind of funny, but as a researcher, that is a golden behavioral outcome. Oh, yeah, say, yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's say why. Well, it's, cost, it's costless to say what you intend to do. When you fill out a survey mm. and you just answer a bunch of questions and it says, you know, how much would you want this? You check a four, you check a three. It, it doesn't mean anything. In this case, you really can have some nice mouthwash and that might like make your breath sparkly clean or it might like prevent cavities. But the end is you are ordering something. And to me, that actually is one of the more valid possible outcomes they could have looked at in this case, short of actually making them spend their own money on something. Mm. That would be even better. But in this case, I was pretty impressed with that, Akin. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool because they, uh, prior to uh, actually getting down these individuals' thoughts, so they had like the uh, the pre-manipulation measures. So they just yeah. wanted to get a good idea of these individuals in terms of their demographics, their dental history, uh, their perception of risk uh, and severity of like gum disease. So just like, you know, who are they uh, kind of like, you know, what's a, a bit of their kind of like- What are they dealing with here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I found that like when I was looking at the results, a lot of this stuff didn't really seem to be highly relevant, but I did like, and, and you might want to correct me here, but it seemed that there was, there were key things that they found, but there were loads of manipulations that didn't yes. seem to be as effective as they originally thought they might be. But they were asking a lot of questions, which were like, what are your attitudes towards some of these behaviors? What do you think of these behavioral intentions? They also had these well-designed pamphlets as well to look yes. so that it wasn't just like a, on an A4 sheet and you're reading this information. They had pamphlets printed to, and designed so it looked like it was actually coming from a medical institution. All of this, as you mentioned, Dan, the deep-ended variable there of what will they actually do? And I feel like these elements leading up to it, thinking about myself and if I was engaged in this process and how much I would invest I guess, in terms of thought and feeling towards it, it felt like they did a lot to really, I want to say prime, but prime individuals to take this quite seriously. Yes, they did. And in this case, they actually were able to show statistically that people that read, let's say the last one, actually were more worried about their gums, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and like they were able to kind of show that the manipulations that they put people in kind of worked where they actually got more worried but you know, as we're kind of moving toward close here, what I wanted to highlight, and I, I genuinely think this is solid, this is probably in some ways the most important part of the studies for me, they were able to show that the actual behavior of like putting a postcard in the mail and saying, I want that sample, if you were in the loss frame and you got the like prevention condition, so if this is one where you don't have it yet, but you can prevent yourself from getting it, and now you're in the lost frame, you're only 47% likely to send that thing in. But if you are in the gain frame, you are 20% higher to stick that thing in the mail. Now, to me, that's a big jump. If you think about, for instance, getting this inoculation for Corona, that's 20% difference. That would do it. 
That would do it right there. Now, when it comes to disclosing, this is the detection one. This is the one where like, listen, you already got it. All we're doing is showing that you got it. The loss frame was 73% where the gain frame was 37%. We're talking a doubling of the percentage of people actually going and mailing this thing. So again, while that isn't perfect science, the idea that you are showing a theoretical effect with very large effect sizes and a behavior, that's about as good as it gets in terms of external validity, I think. Mm. And it's, it's interesting to think, I guess, in terms of the paper and also how we are communicating with one another, maybe not necessarily to get people to flush or to use uh, kind of like uh, dental care. Yeah. But when we're, when, even in our social situations, it's, it's very interesting as individuals how we do respond to loss. And also, if we're in a pretty sweet situation, the idea that someone's trying to make that sweeter just might not be enough to kind of nudge us in a certain direction. So there's a lot of different like dynamics which are kind of getting thrown around. And even having read this one, I'm still very much digesting what this means in terms of like our behavior, because it seems like it's not enough just to present people with information. That Um, That actually is the takeaway. I, I honestly, like, this is a really nice way to kind of close this out. The, okay, so there are some really specific implications that if you are a marketeer or if you are a doctor or if you are the government trying to get people to get their inoculation, there are some actual specific policy implications here. As we step away from the study, really the coolest thing for us might be it's not like there are facts that steer people's behavior. Mm. It's more like depending on where people's brains are and depending on how you present the facts, you have massive differences in how they respond. Yes. Oh, they, well, well, listen. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everyone. If you like this, share it with your friends. (laughs) Wicked. This has been a blast, man. Thanks for sending this over, Dan. I'm really happy with it. And um, I got to tell you, when these little surprises happen, like I kind of thought this would be kind of fun and relevant. But as I started reading, I actually got a cold chill. Like, they see the future. (laughs) They see dead people. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, enjoy the, not even even enjoy the rest. Enjoy what's left of your life. (laughs) Ciao. Bye, everyone.